Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. It's an honor and delight to be here with Rabbi Dr. Reb Mimi Feigelson, who is the first ordained female Orthodox rabbi post-Shoah. She's an international teacher of Hasidut, spirituality, and a storyteller. Baruch Hashem. Reb Mimi formed and created as an Israeli modern Haredi Hasidic rabbi the role of the Mashpia Ruchanit, spiritual mentor, in non-Orthodox rabbinical seminaries in the U.S. since 2001, and Yushalayim since her return in the summer of 2017. Prior to Los Angeles, Reb Mimi was the Associate Director of the Yakar Institute for Tradition and Creativity and Director of the Women's Beit Midrash. She was an adjunct faculty at the Male Film College and published regularly in Haaretz Literary Supplement, Reb Mimi's forthcoming book, On the Cusp of Life, From Sacred, excuse me, From Scared to Sacred, is an exploration and redefinition of Jewish funerals. Very important. She is the blessed and proud soul mother to over a dozen children. Thank you, Remimi, for taking time to talk. You're amazing. It's such a blessing. It's really, I don't know how you have time, have time to talk to people because you're busy doing so many things. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. Thank you. So I'm, ex- I'm very excited to learn Torah from you. So let me ask you, like, what initially drew you experientially, intellectually, spiritually towards, towards Hasidus, towards Hasidut? You know, the truth is, um, when I think about my, my, my narrative, my biography, my story, you know, I partnered with God when I was three years old. And I remember a day at camp when I wasn't given a bike that would have fitting to my height. I think you can relate to that. And, um, and I, I came to a moment where I realized, you know, I'm not seen. I'm not understood. People aren't taking care of me. It's going to be me and God. And we're going to have to figure this out together. Wow. And from there, I started on a journey of trying to figure out what does it mean to partner with God? Yes, as a child. And, and really, it was only when I came to, to Hasidut that I realized I learned how to, how to dialogue with God. And, um, you know, I feel in many ways that growing up um, very, very observant. I don't like all these titles, all these denominations and definitions, right? So that's why my biography says I'm a modern, Hasidic, Haredi, all these things put together, and I am all those things. But in many ways, I have to say that the halakha taught me how to uh, judge people. And Hasidut taught me how to love people. And Hasidut also challenged me how to accept God's love. And I knew from my experience as a child of what it meant to be not seen. And I needed to learn how to be able to see people and how to understand people and how to read people. And the Hasidic world um, taught me that. You know, my teachers were ones that, Rabbi Shlomo and Udi, Udi Leon, my first teacher. But I always looked for teachers that taught me how to read the white spaces between the black letters. Because anyone can teach you how to read black letters. But how do you read white spaces? And I knew that I was, I started learning when I was a child. I started going to classes when I was 12 years old. 
And anyone who would teach me, I would learn from. And if I had to pay, I had to pay. And if I had to sit behind a machitza, I'd sit behind a machitza. And if I had to, whatever it was to learn, I would learn. And, um, but, but how do you, how you learn a page of a Gemara is how you learn to read a person. And, and my teachers in school taught me how to read the black letters, but I needed to learn how to read the white spaces. And Hasidut, the Hasidic Rebbes, and my teachers, Shlomo, Rizalman, um, you know, they taught me my chavrutas, Rabbi my chavrutas, they taught me, Rav Miki Rosen, of blessed memory, they taught me how to, how to engage with the white spaces. That's why, that's why I ended up there. Amazing, amazing. Rabbi says that a several Torah, that two black letters are connected to each other, is not kosher to read, even though the words are all there. It's because the Torah of the white spaces is not incomplete when two letters are glued together. Mm. And we have an accountability and an obligation to meet people um, and to meet and meet the world in the realm of the white spaces. Right? You know, growing up, I um we had a we had a next setting at the at the at the theater table for Soviet Jewry. And um and you know, and now we live in a world that you smile and think like, well, what was that like? And what did that look like? And yeah, I still have an extra setting at the at the at the Seder table. It's not for Soviet jury, but it's for all the people that don't know that they have a place at the Seder table. Right? It's not even a Shaynoyo Daily Show. It's not even one who doesn't know how to ask questions. It's one who doesn't think that they have a place at the table. And and Hasidut, it, it, it gave me the tools and it gave me the wisdom and it gave me the demand to walk with those people that don't know that they're walking. I love it. I love it. Red Mimi, so picking up on something you said. Um, how do we accept God's love? So let's say I'm in a moment of crisis, of anger, of fear, of stress. I just want to scream. I'm going crazy. You know, and in that moment, I say, I know I have to accept God's love. What do I do? What do I do in that moment to become a clea to be macabre? Well, first, um, first you scream. <laughs> <laughs> you scream, you yell, you let it out. First, you believe that God is big enough to hear all of it. Right? We think that we need to show up on our best behavior. We think that young people will dress up in white. But you know, um, Rabbi Baruch, he says that there are three mitzvot that we show up to exactly how we are. We walk into the land of Israel the way we are. We walk into Sukkah the way we are. We walk into Shabbat the way we are. So the first thing is to know that God is big enough to hear our sorrow, our pain, our anger, our resentment. I can say, I hate you, God. I can say, I don't understand you. I can say that the world that you are ruling, you could do better than that. The world, the God that I believe in can, can present and can offer a better world than I'm experiencing. The only reason we can't accept God's love is because we don't believe that God can accept us in the totality of who we are. And from that place, we don't have to wait to tomorrow. It's not Carol King, will you still love me tomorrow? today, who I am, how I am. Beautiful. Unconditionally. So as one of the first women with an Orthodox smicha, what inspired you to pursue that path? Uh, you already started touching on this. And who have been some of your mentors and role models in, those four, in, that formative stage, in that formative stage for you? You know, I wasn't inspired to pursue this path. Right? To say that you are inspired to pursue a path means that you set a goal and you walk down to achieve that goal. I grew up learning. I grew up knowing that the Bet Midrash studying Torah was going to be the vocabulary I shared with God and that God shared with me. And I learned with everyone and anyone who would learn with me. The, the, my rabbinate, 
my rabbinate wasn't something that I set out to do, but it was an affirmation of who I am. You know, growing up, I didn't exist. You know, five years before my smicha, I didn't exist. Because in the world that I lived in, a female Orthodox rabbi was, was, was gibberish. And, um, and in that way, it really, I have to say, um, in the most simple of manners, um, standing at yet another smicha of one of Rav Shlomo's Talmudim and realizing that the only reason that he wasn't ordaining me was because I was a woman, that wasn't a good reason. I had a teacher. I learned. I walked in, I walked in the footsteps of the Hasidic masters. Being a woman, since when is that? Since when is gender an issue with God? Since when has gender become an issue when talking about serving God? So when I think about who my inspirations were, yeah, most of them and many of them were male, but who cares? That's not what it was about either. I want to say that walking in the world as a, as a woman who carries the name of both Miriam and Sarah, Miriam Anivia is an inspiration for me. Miriam stands from a distance to see what's going to happen. And from that same word, God also is revealed. Being a presence in the world, standing in the world, letting people know that they're not alone. I learned that from Miriam. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, according to the Piyasetz Nerebe, she's the one who says, master the world. When you ask for things that are unacceptable, I get up and walk away. And being able to say no to God at times, I received from Sarah Menu. And then, Rebbe Levi Yitzhak taught me how to stand in front of God. And the Piyasetz Nerebe taught me how to say no to God and to how to be with God no matter what's happening and to not let go of a vision of a divine that can find me no matter how far I go. And honestly, my grandparents, my grandfather and my grandmother who made sure that my mother was the only girl in a boy's yeshiva so she would learn. Those are my inspirations. Ama teaches me what it means to be a female Rebbe in the world. And the woman that I saw washing a dish on the streets of India with such intentionality when she lives in a box in filth and watching her wash a dish, she taught me service. The nuns taught me service. The nuns taught me devotion. The Rebbe's taught me how to be in the world, how to live in this world, how to have a relationship with God, and most important, how to listen to people and how to sit with people and how to hear people. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So um, I know there's so much, there's so much, uh, there's so much there to unpack. But moving forward, so much of the Hasidic community today in the U.S. and in Israel is deeply conservative, and that's not a critique. That's just who they are. Um, and, you know, and they're opposed to so much that we might cherish in modernity, you know, um, is it possible to create a new type of chassidut in the 21st century that has that continuity, but also is less rejectionist of, of, uh, of the world around us? So here's the, here's the gift of being a chassid in the 21st century, right? If I was a woman in the Rebbe's time, I, in order to have gain any kind of connection to their teachings, I would have to be the daughter of the wife of the mother of the sister of. And we have some of those. We have testimonies of women like that. You know, the Piyasetsna Rebbe's wife, his daughter, Freda, the Balatanya's daughter. We have the maiden of Ludmir. We have that. Um, you know, the gift of living in the 21st century is on the one hand, I ache not being able to sit with the Rebbe physically. On the other hand, 
I have more access to them than most of their Hasidim had in their lifetime. So we have the gift of learning. We have the gift of the wisdom of their teachings. And it's through that that we can actually claim our heritage. Now, when people ask me what Hasidic dynasty I'm connected to, I'm connected to Berdichev. Tell me about Reb Levi Chaser, his Korean. I can tell you that when I visited Berdichev three months ago, I was coming home. When I went to the Maori Nine and I stood there and I cried, I was coming home. When I came to when I came to Repinchas of Courts, I was coming home. The told I was coming home. I don't think uh, that because of who the I want to say, the, our body, our physical technic, or our technicality, our physical technicality. We have the gift of the teachings of the Rebbe's. That's what it takes to create a Hasidic community: the wisdom of the Rebbe's, a commitment and devotion to each other protect, to take care of, to cherish each other, to honor each other. What more do we need? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so I have a million more things I want to ask you, but one last question. One last question. And then okay. to, be, to be continued, we should say. Um, what's, a piece okay. of, what, what's a piece of Torah? What's a piece of Torah that literally animates your daily life? No, not like a you know, a little Bissell Torah that pops in once a month. But something that literally, like, it is, it walks with you. There's, um, so there are a lot of them, honestly, because the Rebbe's inform every moment of my life, right? And what I do, and I'm not saying it, like, dramatically. It's, they're the ones I'm in dialogue um, with always. So that being said, you know, the teaching I learned from Ritzomo, uh in the name of the Alexander Rebbe, he says on the pasuk, in ha'azinu, at the end of Dvarim, at the end of Deuteronomy, the God of belief that does no wrong. The God of belief, the that does no wrong. And then Alexander Rebbe says that the way to really read this verse is not the God of belief that does no wrong. is the God that believes in us, not the God that we believe in but the God that believes in us. And I remember when Roshamu gave over this Torah, he said, this teaching, he said, can you imagine how much God believed in you to create a world and they hand it over to you? And it's told in the, that the, two of the Rejna Rebbe's, their, his grandchildren were playing marbles. One was five and one was seven. They should forgive me, I don't remember their names. And they were having this conversation between them, like boys playing marbles. Who's a tzaddik? Who's a righteous? Who's tzaddik adol, the righteous of the generation? And tzaddik isodolam, the righteous of the foundation of the world. And the seven-year-old said, the first is the one who elevates everyone he meets. The tzaddik of the generation is the one who elevates his whole generation. And tzaddik, excuse me, the first one, he says, I'm sorry. He says, a tzaddik is a person who comes into the world and leaves the world unblemished. You would think that's an amazing achievement. And tzaddik is the son who elevates every person he meets. And tzaddik is the one who elevates his generation. And his younger sibling, five years old, said, what is the point of entering and exiting the world the same way? Mm. What's the value of that? So he said, the tzaddik is the one who elevates every person he meets, the tzaddik of the generation, every, everyone in his generation. And tzaddik is the tzaddik, the righteous of the foundation of the world, is the one who elevates the world from the time of creation. So when I bring these two teachings together, the story and the teaching together, it's, 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 it's what, what haunts me most is, when I say, can I walk into, in the world knowing that God trusted me enough to hand the world over to me? And then at the end of the day, 
they say, Master of the world, I was worthy of your trust. You handed the world over to me. And now I'm returning it back to you. And the way you gave it to me and the way I'm returning it, it's not the same. Mm. And I have to say, Shmuli, Rav Shmuli, that I want to say that I believe that the, God, the world that you receive every morning and the world you receive, return to God is not the same world. And your work is such an inspiration for, for so many of us. Those you can't even imagine that even you're touching because you don't know that they exist. I want you to know that the world God gives you and the world God re you return to God at the end of the day is not the same world. And I thank you for walking together so we can make the world that world. Amen, amen, amen. Hevra, make sure to look up Rabbi Dr. Reb Mimi Feigelson's beautiful Torah all over the place. Uh, videos and articles and and this amazing book coming out. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Good job. <laughs>